message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. If you'd open your Bibles to Psalms 103, we're going to be looking in there and then kind of traveling to one other section kind of quickly this morning. If you have kids, you've been through this. I promise you have been through this before. Grandma, granddad, friend, neighbor, aunt, uncle gives your kids something for Christmas, for uh, some birthday or something like that. And, uh, you know, they wanted the toy. But grandma somehow thought it was important to get underwear or whatever it was or socks. I, I think I liked underwear better than I liked socks. You know, you get socks and it's like, okay. And, you know, the look on the child's face <laughs> when they receive socks instead of a toy, it's priceless, guys. And, and here's what we do. Most of the time, out of pure just instinct, now you tell grandma, thank you. And they may mimic the words. I mean, maybe the words, thank you, finally do come out. But you know, I know, but most of all, grandma knows there is not thankfulness there. They wanted a toy. They did not want socks. They did not want underwear. Have you been in that uncomfortable moment before? Well, you know, there's a part of this, guys, that if we're not very, very careful in the measure of authenticity, that Thanksgiving can kind of do that. Okay, we have this day that you're supposed to be thankful. And what if you truly, it's not the reflection of your heart. That's just not really where life is right now. And you almost feel forced by the culture around you, even if it's a secular culture, to say, okay, I've I got to be thankful today. Now, granted, there's always things to be gr- thankful for, and we're going to see that in Scripture this morning. But when you, I mean, would you agree with me a little bit that there's a little bit of a tendency that we feel forced into Thanksgiving because there's a date that says Thanksgiving Day? And so you kind of, you, but you want to be authentic. And so how do we do that? How do we authentically say, okay, God, you know, I am thankful. I am truly, authentically thankful. Even though right now my life seems like it's just one big mess or things are falling apart. This is a psalm of David. David had a lot of victories in his life. There's a lot of times that David just, you know, truly his life was just a home run, a grand slam, knocked it out of the park. There's other times in David's life, as we well know, brought on by his own bad choices, that there was great defeat. And he felt very, very far from God. And so we have some psalms that actually reflect that. And we have other psalms that reflect that, hey, David must have been on cloud nine. This must have been one of the highlights of his life. This isn't a scene on the surface that it very much is one of those highlight times. Uh, Scholars kind of debate about where David's coming from. Uh, Some think that he's thinking back to he makes mention of Moses and, and the Exodus, that he was thinking historically. Others think that he was thinking quite privately that this was just his own kind of emotions and his kind of feelings about the day and that he was really having a time of, of great exhilaration in his spirit, that he was just wanted to, to, to scream this out to, to God. But it's one of those things that when we think about Thanksgiving, it really is, there's two places that Thanksgiving can come from. One is Thanksgiving to the mind and one is Thanksgiving to the heart. That is a picture right there of really not Thanksgiving whatsoever, but it certainly is not Thanksgiving from the heart. Why? Because his mind told him, I don't want socks, I want a toy. And there's many times in life, guys, that we want, even as adults, that we want a toy and we get socks. 
I mean, reality. And, and so they're, they're saying, okay, we're supposed to be thankful because we're Christians. We're supposed to be thankful, especially on Thanksgiving Day, because it's kind of the culture says, be thankful you have many, many blessings. And truly, like the old song says, we could count our many blessings and name them one by one, and we would be amazed at what God has done. So we're not belittling that. I just always want to come before you with the authenticity that, guys, if, if we're not authentic in the things that we study and believe, then we will not be authentic in life. And the one thing that this world needs more than ever right now is authenticity in the lives of believers. That when you say, okay, I really do love you, that you show love, like we will hopefully do this next Tuesday. You know? That's what Jesus said. He said, man, if you somebody knocks on your door and says, I'm hungry, and you kind of pass them on, but God loves you, what have you done to show love? What have you really done to demonstrate that? So the Bible is all about authenticity and us really being authentic in our faith and not just kind of going through the, the repetitions of religion. And I think that we will see that today because Thanksgiving very much is a matter of the mind, to count our blessings, to, to acknowledge them. But it is a matter of the heart too. Thank you, Publix commercials. I mean, you, you know, the Publix Thanksgiving commercials come on, and if you can go through one of those and I go, ah, you know? Especially the one last, you know, was it last year? The guy knocks on the, the, the older lady's door and gives her an invitation, and the mom doesn't know about it, and he comes to the door, or she comes to the door, and I'm, I'm here by invitation, and, and the little boy had invited her over for the holiday meal. I mean, if you can look at that and not have some emotional kind of gravitation toward, aw, then you might be the Grinch. You, you, you might be uh, some heartless because it is a matter of the heart. But, but which one is it first? This morning I want to look at the, the relevance of, of Thanksgiving of the mind, Thanksgiving of the heart, because we see that scripturally that there's a basis for both of those. And, and Psalms 103 really shows us kind of not so much in a contrasting form, but in a complementary form of how those two go together. And, and David starts off very emotionally. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1 and tell me if this does not just seem much more emotional in nature than it does mental in nature. Psalm of David, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now when we say soul, when he says soul there, what, what are we talking about? Just kind of our spirit that, that kind of floats around? Or when you think of soul, do you think about like the, the, the most inner part of you, the very fiber of your very being? That's what he means. When he says, bless the Lord. He, he wants to bless the Lord. He said, my soul, the very fiber of my being. I want to bless the Lord. And then he says, all that is within me. I just, you know, this death there, but everything that I am, I just want to bless the Lord, bless his holy name. So very emotional. I, I see that as being quite emotional, quite feeling, very warm, kind of cuddly, kind of celebrative. But then we go on and we begin to see that, okay, is he going to use logic here or was he just having a really, really good day? Because if Thanksgiving is just from the heart, then you better have a heart that hopefully is emotionally kind of filling up. But guys, here's a gift that God gave us. He put things in our mind, in this frontal lobe that has memories, that has logic, that has this, that, and the other. And some days when your life is falling apart, you're, you may have a heart that wants to make merry, but the frontal lobe and the synapses are saying, but how do we pay the bills? 
What if my husband really does leave me? What if the kids, you know, this sickness doesn't go away? Those are synapses that are kind of firing off, and sometimes they can be in contrast to this desire that a heart would have. I mean, I haven't, I haven't really ever met a Christian that didn't want to praise God, that didn't want to say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and everything that is within me. I mean, I haven't really found any Christians, authentic Christians, that didn't want to live that way. But I've found a whole bunch of Christians that struggle to authentically do that with a whole heart when darkness was in their lives. And the frontal lobe was so firing off with, how am I going to do this? Or what's going to happen here? Or is this cancer going to take my life? Or am I going to be healed from this cancer? And all those realities of life that were happening in the frontal lobe, in the mind, and all of a sudden there was a war that's going on. I don't know that David's really fighting something that deep, but he is being authentic because look what he says to this emotional response of verse 1. Look where he goes in verse 2. He goes mental. Now, I'm not saying that. I just said that David went mental. Uh, (laughs) He went to the mental part of his uh, operational mode there, okay? Because look what he says in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? And forget not all his benefits. Forgetfulness. What do we usually associate? Is that more of a heart thing or a head thing? Yeah. It's memories, synapses, logical thinking. So the first part, he's kind of coming out emotionally. He says, I, I want to bless you, God. I truly want to be this worshiper that you've created. I truly want to praise you. Everything that's in me, I want to praise you. And, and yet, <laughs> I want to bless you. And, and yet, there's things going on in my mind. And, and I, I don't want to forget all your benefits because my m- brain is happening here, too. And I don't want my praise to be just from the heart or just in good times. There's going to be times, God, that I'm going to have to struggle to remember that you are a good God. Does that seem to be in contrast to singing Good, Good Father? I mean, we, we sing Good, Good Father. People have always asked, you know, when you go through that song and we begin to say, okay, People wonder, how are you? But you're a good, good father. We sing there and we find comfort in that. And yet, as we saw just last week in, in the Psalm 77 of Asaph, where he really did, folks, emotionally, it, it, he had lost the battle mentally, and he began to ask that question or a series of questions. But the one that, that got me last week is, has the Lord forgotten to be gracious? I'm talking about forgetting that we would come to a place of our life that the heaviness is so there, the darkness is so surrounding us, that we actually begin to look at this good, good Father and we actually would get to a place where we would even contemplate, hey God, have you forgotten to show mercy? Have you forgotten to be loving? Have you forgotten to be gracious? That's the reality of some of the struggles when we have a heart and a mind. But the Bible addresses that. Doesn't say, hey, the mind is always right, the heart is always wrong. Doesn't say the heart is always right and the mind is always wrong. So, okay, which one's going to which one's going to kind of lead the other? So, this debate of thankfulness is not that it's just an emotional thing, or not just a brain activity, but that they both kind of interact together. They both are working, but which one is leading? In your life, which one leads the other? Does your thought pattern dictate? Your emotional level? Or do your emotions dictate your thought pattern? Would you agree that it could happen either way? 
It's what I used to call stinking thinking. I mean, seriously, if, if you have stinking thinking, can, can that lead to bad emotional well-being because you've allowed garbage? I mean, if you've ever been in computers, you know, back in the very beginning, garbage in, garbage out. Okay, so okay, you put this data in, here's the data that you're going to get out. And, and folks, in, in one way, because we do have this frontal lobe, because we have logical thinking, most of us, have logical thinking going on in our minds, you put garbage in, guess what you're going to get out? Garbage out. And not just thinking and responses, but it is going to travel to the heart. Does that make sense? Because this is really critical for us to understand how valuable the Word of God and the truth of God is. And not to be swayed, as John would say, by every wind of doctrine and every wind of emotion that's out there. Man, there's going to be winds blowing in your life, and there may be wind blowing in your life right now that is very, very discouraging. And if you just allow your heart to be motivated by that wind and by that either sound reasoning or that unsound reasoning, at that point, the heart's going to follow. And so what do we do? What do we see here? We are people of great emotions, but we're also people of great reasoning. And there's going to be times in our lives, you know, I, again, I hope I didn't offend anybody last week if this is your favorite phrase or if you have a bumper sticker on the, on the back of your car. I mean, I, I'm truly not here to offend anybody. But there are going to be days in our Christian life that really we will suffice to, to hear God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And truly, guys, that will be enough. It truly will. Just because of the grace of God, the goodness of God, the truth of that statement that even bumper sticker mentality kind of theology, just that would be enough. But I guarantee you guys, you live life. Fallen people in a fallen world, there's going to be days that that bumper sticker is not going to get you through. And what you need is not a cute little saying, but you need the foundational hope of the gospel. And that's the only thing that's going to get you through. But what a great God. What a great God. Did he, does he owe us answers to everything? No. By his grace, he gives us answers. He gives us bedrock theology. He gives us soundness of doctrine. He gives us truth in his word so that when those dark times come, we can have light in the midst of the darkness. And we don't just have somebody coming up, well, you know, God is good all the time. And you come and mimic back, yeah, and all the time God is good. David is proclaiming that he wants so much He feels the goodness of God. He knows the blessing of God. But David also knew the other side. And so he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. His soul is overwhelmed with thankfulness. But there's due cause. He doesn't tell us exactly what's going on in his immediate life, but he certainly gives us a grounding of why he, in his very fiber of his being, his very soul, the very depth of his character and who he is, can cry out, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And he doesn't look at a day. He's not looking so much at a week. He's not looking, hey, this is Thanksgiving. I've got to put on a smile. I'm the king. People are looking at me. I have responsibility here. This is a desire. This is his authentic desire to to be this way. But he gives us reason. Look what it says. Verse 2, he talks about do not forget all of his benefits. But now let's kind of travel through very quickly. Verse 3, 4, 5, we could read the whole rest of it. And he begins to itemize why he feels this way, why he's blessed by God. 
And he doesn't say, well, you know, because I had a really good dinner this morning. It's not, notice if they're kind of a temporary thing, kind of a, just a, a daily thing, or if he's talking more wide in nature, more eternal in nature. Verse 3, he says, who forgives all your iniquity. What are iniquities? Sin. So if, if you're not really familiar with that term, iniquity means your wrongdoings, the things that you've done against the holy God. And he says, okay, God, you, you've done these things, guys, but you have a God who will forgive you of these things. You go and you confess that sin, and he will forgive you, and he will give you a means of forgiveness. He won't just say, okay, you're forgiven. He made a means of that. He gave his only son to die on the cross, to rise again on the third day. So he comes back to the gospel for truth and not just emotions. Verse 3, he says, and heals all your diseases. Well, you can say, he does that. But not if you lost your daddy last year to cancer. You lost this person. What, what does he mean? How can he come back and say, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. And say, so, okay, one of the things that he does is he heals your diseases. When we all have family members that we prayed for just as authentically as we did the people that were healed, and many people have been healed, but then some people weren't healed of that current disease. How does that work? I mean, do you see the struggle there? Do you think he's talking about a disease and he had prayed for Aunt Mary because Aunt Mary had a condition? And so he prayed for Aunt Mary and he's going, okay, I want to praise you, you know, in the depths of my soul, all that is within me because I prayed for Aunt Mary and Aunt Mary went to the doctor and the doctor said, we don't know, we don't have an answer for it, but the sickness is gone, the illness is gone. Do you think he's talking about that or do you think he's looking at a broader sense of disease when it comes to sin and our estrangement from a holy God? Which one do you think is he sides with? Can God heal us from disease? Yes. Will God heal everyone from disease? He can, but he doesn't. And that's the mystery. That's where we have to come back to the sovereignty of God. Ultimately, will every Christian be healed of every disease? Yeah. See where we're going here, guys? Again, remember last week, this little thing that we've done so often? Here's where we base a lot of our, okay, do I feel like blessing the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me today? Maybe not. As we start to expand and have that eternal perspective and we start to count the blessings of what God has done, not just today, but eternally for us, we begin to to look at more of that gospel foundation as we widen our scope to eternity. That's what David is doing here. All of a sudden we can say, hey, and he heals all the diseases. He heals these diseases. I mean, some he, he heals supernaturally right now to encourage us, to add to our faith. He has the ability to heal all. But some of that healing won't come until heaven. Uh, look at the next verse, verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit. Now, he wasn't trying to be current by using the pits. What, do you th- what pit do you think he's talking about? Yeah. He said he redeems, he uses the word to redeem your life from the pit. Now, he could talk about some temporary displeasures of our life. And when we just have the blues, our life is the pits. It, it can't apply there. But really where he's going again is this eternal nature. He says, you redeem me. What I deserve, what I really deserve, because of my rebellion against you, holy God, I deserve hell. And you redeem me. You sent an answer for that. 
in your son, Jesus Christ. Now, David doesn't know the reality of that yet. David is in faith anticipating that there will one day be a Messiah. Why? Because God has made that promise. So in faith, he's saying already, you've redeemed me from the pit. God, when I die, I know where I'm going. Just because I have some kind of insurance, you know, some fire insurance, and because I, I got wet in church, they, they put me under the bus. No, I, I know you, and I know your redemptive work through Christ, and I trust in that redemptive work, and you've redeemed me from the pit. Look at verse 4 again. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. What was one of Asaph's struggles last week? Was it the steadfast love of the feeling of that? He came back and he said, you know, God, you are a God of steadfast love. And he comes back and he reiterates that at the back of Psalm 77. But in the front of Psalm 77, he was not feeling the love. And he questioned. God, have you forgotten to be gracious? Have you forgotten to love? Are you going to turn your face from me? Here David comes back and says, okay, you crowned and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Verse 5, who satisfies you with the good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Almost like in Isaiah. What is he saying? Okay, when we come to God, God makes us, even though we're getting older, that we have a youthfulness and energy? Could be. But mostly what he's saying is that no matter how old we get and how we get uh, the mileage of life on us, that God can renew our heart and our enthusiasm. Remember Caleb? Old Testament, 12 spies sent out. Only Caleb and Joshua came back. They were the faithful ones that said, man, we can take this. God has already promised that we can take this. And yet there were 10 other spies that said, no, these people, they're like giants. They make us look like grasshoppers. And so the the people of Israel decided to go with the 10 instead of the 2. When we follow that story along, and Caleb doesn't just end his faithfulness there, Caleb leads along with Joshua. And when they finally get into the promised land, they come to this point, and, and Caleb's there, and they said, Caleb, we got this really nice pasture land. It is green. It is flat. There are waters coming through there. And, you know, because of your history, because we kind of owe this to you, because you've been so faithful all these years, we kind of put a sign down there that has your name on it, Caleb. What land do you want? You, you want that land? You remember what Caleb said? Caleb said, give me the mountains where the giants are. So even though they had taken possession of the land, they, have not, they had not at that point driven all the enemies out. And here, Caleb, I think he's like in his 80s or 90s at that point, and he says, will you give me the mountainous land? Now, that's what David's talking about, that even though I grow older because of what you have shown me in my life, God, You're renewing my energy all the time. One of the tragic things about being older is the body don't cooperate with the heart and the mind. I promise you the mind says 18. The heart says marathon, of course. And the body says you can't even do a 3K, much less a 5 or a 10 or whatever. And the body kind of lapses. But the mind and the heart is enthusiastic. That's what David, he said, man, here's why I want to praise you. Because you're a God that when I put my faith in you, you renew my strength. You, you encourage me even in discouraging times. You satisfy me with good and, and, and your youth is renewed like an eagle's. All these are the benefits. And we could go on and we could read more and more. 
And what he's doing is reminding himself of all these benefits that he has in Christ Jesus or in this anticipation of how God's going to give him salvation. Have you ever, I've counseled some people over the years that were going to leave a corporate type job and they were going to go into business for themselves. What a great adventure to have that entrepreneurial mind and everything. And one of the things that, you know, just trying to give wise counsel, one of the questions I would ask as they were about to make this transition is, okay, what are you going to do about your benefits? Because it's an amazing thing as you go out to business for yourself. When you've had a corporate job or if you had a, a job where, you know, they're paying this, they're paying this, and all of a sudden you go out and you're working for yourself. And guess who gets to pay for it then? Me, myself, and I. And so you, these benefits, and sometimes you don't realize because you've had them all along, these benefits that were right there until you lose those benefits. And you're going, oh, my goodness. I was making this, but there was a whole bunch more value to that because I was, had all these benefits. That's what he's saying. He said, I remember your benefits. God, will you help me not to take for granted that these are the things that you do? Help me to take, not to take for granted that I won't go to hell? I mean, have you thought about that, guys? I mean, isn't there a part of us that we just take for granted that because of the hope of Christ, because of the finished work of Christ, that because we put our faith and our trust in him as our Redeemer, that we don't have to suffer hell. That is a great, great thing. But I don't know the last time that I really, God, thank you that I don't have to go to hell. <laughs> thank you that, I, you know, that, that it would become such a, a part of our memory that we would just be reminded that these benefits that we have in Christ Jesus. Now look back at Psalm 103. Let me tell you what I don't think this is. I don't think it's a, simply mind over matter. There will be a lot of... Um, People in the world, positive thinking folks, that I'm all for positive thinking, but sometimes they can say, okay, this mind over matter, and sometimes they just say, okay, you have to discipline your mind, and there's a part of that that has some authentic truth, but without the gospel, sometimes that can be very false in the sense of it can just be misleading. So I'm not against positive thinkers out there, certainly not that, you know, against anybody who's trying to get us to think positive thoughts, because as we think, then the emotions come. We just stated that. So we want to think good thoughts. But here, this is not just a matter of David going, okay, I'm going to look at everything sunny side up. He's looking authentically. Look down at verse 8. And remember what Asaph said last week in Psalm 77. He says, has the Lord forgotten to be gracious? What does David write in verse 8? The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I love the Hebrew in this. Hebrew is a very expressive language. When it says that he is slow to anger, the actual Hebrew is he has got long nostrils. <laughs> now, why do you think the, the original words would be, the God has long nostrils? You ever seen somebody get mad? And those nostrils start to flare up. And the Hebrew idiom there is, you know, God, you've got really long nostrils. You're, you're, it takes you a long time to get angry. Beautiful word pictures. He felt one thing, but he knew another thing. And guys, that's my whole purpose this morning. There's going to be days that you feel one thing, 
but I pray that you know another thing. And as you know the other thing, it will change and transform those feelings. Look at another example in verse 10 to 12. Verse 10 says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. That's a great place for an amen right there. Okay? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward us and those who fear him, or those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. How many of you believe verse 12? That when God forgives, he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. How many of y'all believe that? How many of you felt guilt even after you've prayed sometimes? There's truth and then there's feelings. And I don't know what Satan attacks first, guys. I really don't. In spiritual warfare, I don't know if he comes back and says, okay, man, I'm going to go with the feelings first. Or if he says, I'm going to attack this truth that really gives you a rock. I don't think he cares. I think he just comes in with both barrels and he attacks both feelings and mind. But that's what he's trying to do is kind of take you off to where you don't believe the truth. Because in that moment, I mean, we just raised our hand. We said, how many of you believe that God does that? And everybody raised their hand, at least everybody that I saw raised their hand and said, you believe that God removes your sins as far as the east from the west. And yet many of us just agreed that there's been times that we've done something in our life, we prayed for forgiveness, and yet we still felt guilt. Guilt is an emotion and it can turn into maybe, you know, kind of more thinking, but, but it's an emotion. You feel that heaviness of guilt. You feel estrangement from a holy God. Well, what is it? Is it the feeling of that guilt? Or is there truth in the finished work of Christ? And in this verse that says that when God forgives, he removes your sin as far as the east from the west. This is the truth. And there will be days in our lives, guys, that we're not going to feel the truth. That's where we have to concentrate on the truth. And the truth then will produce what? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless your holy name, because I am a sinner and I did this and yet you have removed that from my life as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, because you have done that. And that truth then generates emotion and that true desire to be thankful and to bless God. Why? Because we really don't just say, okay, I'm forgiven, but we understand the power and the wholeness and the reality of that forgiveness. Do you, do you get that? You feel one thing, but truth says another. Here's my simple conclusion. Let's, let's wrap it up. Without truth, without the facts, I truly believe that the heart's going to win out every time. We are very emotional people. God made you that way. There's nothing error in error about emotions. Emotions are a gift from God. But without truth, I think we are swayed much more by emotions. And it just kind of leads out. With truth and by God's grace, he allows that frontal lobe logic and thinking go on and go, man, I don't feel like I'm forgiven, but I know the finished work of Christ. And when he died, he died for me. He died for every sin. And when I ask for forgiveness and I ask Christ to come in 
and he washed his blood over me. I am cleansed. And even though I kind of feel kind of dark today, I know that it's as white as snow. That's the truth. And that's where the mind in truth leads the emotions. Can you truly be thankful this Thanksgiving, no matter what, no matter what your life situation is? I say a whole bunch of people saying yes. The, the Bible would say yes. Okay, this word would say yes. David would say yes. Asaph last week, even though he questioned in, in the very fiber of his being, remember where his question from came from? Do you remember that from Psalm 77? He said, in my spirit, in my soul, I question these things. So it's, it's deep, deep within. He asked those questions, but he came back to truth. Can you be thankful no matter what? The hope of the gospel says yes. The hope of the gospel says yes. That, that, that's what Paul found in his life. Paul, time after time. I mean, he's in prison, and yet he said, I have learned to be content. Where does learning take place? Well, where does, what does Romans 12.2 say about where transformation takes place? transformed mind, then it kind of goes to the heart. If you're here and a Christian, and this has been so elementary to you today, then bless you and be thankful to God that this is a, a very boring, repetitious reminder of something you already knew, well-grounded. But I promise you this, guys. The reason why I've gone over and over and over again in such an elementary level is because there are some people here today that you're new in your faith, you're new in your walk, or you're just under a whole bunch of bondage and a lot of attack, and you need to be reminded this morning, I need to be reminded this morning of elementary truths. Guys, there are times in our lives that no matter how much knowledge you have, that we have to come back to the simplicity of foundational truths. Instead of doing the trig and the calculus of high thinking, that we come back and say, no, I just know that one plus one equals two. I just know these foundational things. It's these foundational things that even this Thanksgiving, even though my family's a little bit messed up and maybe this sickness is there and I don't know about these finances and, and I can name about five or six other things that kind of are going on, God, bless you. Oh, my soul, I want to bless you. For God, you are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of blessing because you're such a good And true thanksgiving, true authentic thanksgiving comes. Let me finish uh, the last five verses, Psalms 103. I'm just going to read them. They're not going to be up here, so just listen long or look in your Bible. Hopefully you opened your Bible and you, and you saw these words. Look at how David ends this psalm of thanksgiving. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. He doesn't get right here. He gets here, he says, okay, the steadfast love of God is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. In other words, David says, nothing invades this truth. Satan doesn't invade it. Your emotions don't invade it. This culture doesn't invade it. Nothing invades this truth. We have a sovereign God, and this is what he's established. This is truth. Nothing can invade this in, in that permanent basis. Verse 20, bless the Lord, O you angels, you mighty ones 
who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places of his dominion. And then he ends, bless the Lord, O my soul. He just gets in that rousing chorus. This is who I want to be. I want to be authentic in my praise, my thanksgiving to you. So we're going to sing that song that we uh, ended with, the, the third song. We're going to sing that again, just as our kind of reflection song. And so God, you know, even with all these things going on in our lives, and a lot of things that can disrupt, and a lot of things are kind of clicking in, the, you know, in, in my heart. I don't feel it. But here's the truth that I'm going to concentrate on, that you are a God who has saved me, as he said, from the pits of hell. You have forgiven me. You have removed my, my sins as far as the east is from the west. This is the God that you are. And you're that God who has steadfast love for everlasting to everlasting. So let's stand, let's sing as a prayer as we would go today, go into this holiday season of Thanksgiving, and that we would go in with authentic hearts that can truly say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.